You are listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And don't get confused at what podcast this is today. We're discussing Mertzbau, but it's Mertzbau, Christoph Heeman, Sleeper Awakes on the Edge of the Abyss. An unusual collaboration started in 1987 and finished in 1992 and released on CD by Heeman's own Streamline in 1993. Christoph Heeman, of course, uh, HNAS founding member and uh, well known for his own solo works. Absolutely. And we've been discussing the CD twice on the past two seven inch Sundays, especially when Gray and I did an episode on a Christoph Heeman seven inch. And in fact, this was also one that was requested a lot during the MERS cast days. So we thought this would be a pretty cool, strange CD to discuss. And it certainly is. All around. I mean, the color palette of the CD itself feels sort of fairly Mertzbaui from the the days of the crazy color collage Xerox stuff. It's this like red blue, but it's all lino cut woodcut uh images so it doesn't have quite the same feel but it has the same feel and it seems to be somewhat uh collaged also and then treated but really cool looking cd i mean the disc is a very simple black disc face but the packaging looks really nice and sort of captivates and the title has always been one of those things that just sticks in your head you know Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. And we we didn't say who designed the amazing cover and artwork, and that would be one Jim O'Rourke. There you go. So, of course, Jim had mentioned working with Christoph and staying with him when we talked with him earlier this year. So very cool connections here to some past episodes. And this is also available on Christoph Heeman's Bandcamp, and it has a very interesting note that is an interesting way to frame this CD because I think it is pretty accurate. He says, Masami Akita sent me a cassette of raw material for a collaboration. When I had finally completed this album in 1992 and sent the recording to Masami, he replied, I appreciate your talent, but this is your music, not mine. And I think that's a very interesting (laughs) quote to frame the listening of this album because I think Masami's pretty accurate, but it doesn't make for any less of an interesting listen. In fact, it makes it more interesting because you're sort of like, where is this coming from? And also want to note that for today's extra noise, extra segment over on the Patreon, we're going to be discussing some of our recent listening and as well as recent reading. Gray has some recent reading he was going to tell us about. So that is going to be, for the patrons today over on the Patreon. And Sleeper Awakes on the Edge of the Abyss. I mean, it, it really, it is one of those titles that sticks in your head. I don't know. Yeah. You, I can't, I can't, I've never been able to forget it. I, I like the structure of this sentence or title. I like the ideas it implies. And we have uh, singular titled tracks for this thing. Every track is just one word. The longest being the first track, uh, nearly twice as long as the second longest piece on this disc, and that is Tunneling. And when thinking about this release, you know, Mertzbaugh sent a tape in 87, and I believe you guys 
uh, you had told me that this was the same source material that was sent elsewhere. According to an interview with Christoph Heeman, this was the same source material that was sent to Sabothi, swimming behavior of the human infant, as well as P16D4. Can you read from that interview, Tara? In 1987, Masami Akita suggested musical collaborations through the mail to several people. He sent a cassette of about 40 minutes of Merzbau sound, the same material he also sent to P16D4 and Sabothi, and suggested that I should process the material or add to his, whichever way I wanted. The sound on the tape seemed like a complete improvisation piece, sort of saturated, so I found it necessary to do drastic processing and filtering in order to achieve more defined textures. I ended up with groups of sounds, which I then arranged into pieces, along with the sounds I had selected to match the processed Merzbau material. You do hear pieces of Merzbau, maybe not as much on this first track, Tunneling. Throughout the piece, we do hear some of these these elements. And of course, 87 being sort of a strange year for Mertzbau. There wasn't a lot coming out. There was Eco Bondage and Anti-Monument, but those may have been recorded in 86. On the tail end, there were a couple things recorded at the end of 86. I think the Crusaduri di Nazumi or whatever, uh, also late 86. Uh, and in 88, you know, we talked about the uh, Live at the Kabarovsk. Storage is around this time as well. Maybe? Storage is 88. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so 87 kind of has a 87, 88 kind of has a gap in activity and comparative to how busy he was in the early eighties, mm, mid eighties, like just, there was so much going on and coming out. And also, you know, when I mentioned anti-monument eco bondage, when you think of those recordings, it's and storage, of course, it's not, of course, we're not at cloud Coco grand. We're not right. at uh, the, the, pedal noise onslaught it's a lot more percussive assembled collaged maybe dadaist strange noise and those sources become more apparent i think as this disc goes on regardless of humans processing but i do love the idea that well he got this tape it took him five years to process assemble and send it back to masami and then akita didn't like say oh, this is a collaboration. Okay. I'm going to take what you've sent me and now I'm going to rework it. Or can you send me these other sounds? It was sort of just a done thing. This isn't my music. It's yours. And it's, it's finished and it does sound very finished. I mean, this, this is a, a cohesive release. This is very much not a, a work in progress or sort of like source material for a collaboration. So I get that. Oh, totally. And you know, you mentioned eco bondage, something I, wrote down during tunneling is the idea of artificial nature. And I think of eco bondage in that. Whereas while in yeah. tunneling, there is, you know, what does sound like field recording sounds. There also are sounds that might not be field recordings, but are morphed into making you think you're hearing field recordings. There's a very strange quality to the sounds on this where, there's points where you're like, this could be a field recording, but this could also be something else being processed. Yeah, it, I, I did hear distinct birds on this one, I thought. I mean, right. I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's there's definitely there are moans. There's like a, 
nearly like a wolf sound. There are winds. There are various types of birds and creaking. But but again, some of those squeaks and electronic creaks, you, you can't tell if that's an actual right. sound that's occurring in nature or or something that's, you know, going through some sort of echoing processing. I mean, truly, everything is so... The, the field is messed with in the in these tracks. And so you can't tell if something's close or something far away. And and it's such a tease. Like, especially like getting into, you know, the the vibe, the understanding and and seeing how this collaboration is gonna work in the first track. It it is this anticipation that you feel because like is Mersbau gonna blast? Like right. you know, the first time you hear it, you're like is there going to be a MERS blast? Is something going to decompose? Like, how is this going to happen? And it's and it's almost like you're learning the rules of the the structure of this release. And so, it it is confusing, and it is like falling asleep and being pulled under, and you kind of forget what you're doing for a minute, and you're like, oh, oh, wait, 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 what what's happening? Things are happening far away things are happening close up it's meditative it's just so straight and it's lovely really i mean especially tunneling i think it has this this fairy dreamlike beautiful quality well and especially like you said tara you're you're maybe prepping yourself for the mers blast and to be clear this is Tara and I weren't familiar with this yeah. album. So this listen and this gearing up for this episode is our coming to this album. And so we were already prepping ourselves framed with that quote, knowing that maybe this is going to be something different. But at the same time, this is 1993. So hearing it in 93, yeah. the bow of 93, you would be sort of waiting like, okay, when is it? When is the explosion coming and like, it never I does i was afraid to turn the volume up i'm like okay okay this is quiet but i don't want to turn the volume up too loud let's right. turn the fan off so we can hear it and and truly there it's just there's a staggering amount of nuance yes. and layers um to to every every single track and you know i guess there are lots of things that I, I think of with Mersbau and masami akita the things that he does so amazingly well but subtle nuance is not necessarily what I associate with his work. Right. But then again, like Gray was saying, this era, there is yeah. more elements of or the, the era of 87. I yes. guess there yes. is more elements of that, you know, obviously yeah, moving on from into the nineties and into modern day. Yes. It's, it's the overwhelmingness of Mersbau is that we are so attracted to, but you know, we you keep we keep coming back to eco bondage, and you know there is so much strangeness to that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and there is these weird squeaks, and there is these weird stretches, and maybe that is some of the sounds that we're hearing yeah, on this graphic CD. sounds that evoke specific images in your head, yeah. and you can't tell if it's some, um, you know, audio illusion or or if it's something that is is truly a field recording. You know, it's really funny. We've mentioned this before on the podcast. I mean, we're we're coming up on four years of yeah. doing this now, but the 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 old uh, save it for the podcast thing is is very true. We kind of don't discuss these things much outside of when we discuss them. We talk about noise all the time, but when we're going sure. to discuss an album or something, like I didn't know that you hadn't heard this. I suggested this one 
uh, because right. we'd mm-hmm. been talking about Heman on the pot, on the seven inch Sundays and just in general, sort of been t- discussing him. And I, of course, you know, this is, I've, I've got the CD here. I've listened to this numerous times. I've been listening to it uh, since I suggested it while I've been reading, which is again, why we're going to talk about some, some books and stuff a little bit later, but me listening to it and knowing what it sounds like, I'm looking at it through the lens of 87 Mertzbau and you right. mm-hmm. hearing it for the first time, are looking at it as 93 Mertzbau. Right. And if you look at 93, I mean like metal velodrome came right. out uh-huh. that right. year. There, there was so much like actual harsh. Yeah. Noise Ember was just around the corner. Yeah, Paul yeah. was just around the corner, you know, so yeah, you know, Crash for Hi-Fi was already out, you know. And it's so crazy because like I would have thought that I had heard this like I, I was like, you know, I know the album cover. It's 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 very memorable. It's so well designed. It's hard to forget. But when we hit play, I was like, I have never heard this. Yeah. I have no idea what is going to happen. I don't know. Like, I didn't know, like, you know, some sometimes you trade off and it's like track for track. So you have something that's atmospheric and then something that's totally different. Like, I had no idea what was going to happen with this. And even from reading about it, I had some idea. But still, it, it everything was such a surprise. Yeah. And you, like Tara saying, especially in tunneling, I'm starting to get these dream logic sounds. And there's a point where I I feel like I'm hearing cars going and maybe those cars are going through a tunnel and I again I don't know if it's cars but I was I was getting this feeling of movement and the feeling of cars mm-hmm. and then I was gravel even, then I was even thinking of the Merzball track traveling because of tunneling so mm-hmm. I was like oh maybe we're traveling through a tunnel we're tunneling and and that's where the birds are coming from and we're driving and we're hearing cars and it was this real dream logic quality right away to this and when album. you get those crystalline tones, like especially around like the 14 minute mark in here, like all of that, like I'm thinking about like Lechugia, like crazy caves that have, you know, massive like quartz stalactites and other worlds and subterranean refuges and and all of those places. It's it's very crystal. Yes. And and of and resonant. And I was not expecting to be in in that that type of atmosphere. Man, you know what else is from '87 that I that I've been thinking about lately, and that I'm dying dying to hear any podcast listeners out there that can help me. Let me know. Escore and Mertzbau released a collaboration tape in 1987. Right. Oh and wow! I wonder if it was the same source material, possibly. Like maybe Heman knew oh, maybe about P16 D4 and Swim Behavior of the Human Infant, but maybe. Masami was sending the same source out to other people as well, or maybe it was different source material. I'm really curious as they, they both mixed each other's sounds on it. I believe each side of mix is handled by either artists, but very curious about that. I hear elements in this recording of violin, but also like a, a creaking gate. Yeah. Uh, there's, I was taken to a portrait of a glacier. There's some like walking on snow. Maybe there's the crunch yes. of fresh snow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> snow or crunching leaves and all partial words at one point. Yeah. We get little, a little bit of conversation, but there's also this like, I mean, it's a lot, it's very slow and subdued. Yeah. 
And as it progresses, we start to get this sort of circular metallic thing. I'm I'm oftentimes reminded of Coil's How to Destroy Angels, uh, which has that great sort of bowed, manipulated symbol sound that just this like metal misery on it, especially actually Stapleton's remixes of those uh, on the CD reissue, which are wonderful and highest recommendation to anyone that hasn't heard the how to destroy angels uh, CD reissue, but that circular sort of metallic sound. And we get, uh, you know, human's not afraid to, to use the delay and the reverb on this. So we get a lot of sort of metallic delay and reverb stuff, but around the 15 and a half minute mark, maybe it gets, really pretty and melodic with this sort of dissonant drone under it. And that would be something that sort of continues on throughout this disc that we get is sort of human revealing himself or going for these sort of, I can't imagine this was an Akita contribution. Yes. That shimmering ambient Mm -hmm. quality that comes in and, and, is going to be around for the rest of the CD in different points for sure. And, and those, small cyclical sounds like i don't know have you guys ever seen live yodelers <laughs> i they, certainly have they do this thing where uh you have a very large uh ceramic bowl and they drop a coin in and they spin the coin around the side and it's just this zzz. and i hear all of that like just like the title like mandala and it you know brings you into mind of of cycles and spinning and swirling and just like tunneling, like you're digging down under and it's just, you know, plugging away and chugging and sawing through the earth, through your consciousness. And that's totally, you know, a through line through this entire release. Well, look at that segue into Mandala, which we can absolutely discuss right now because this is beautiful and dreamlike. And I, I wrote in my notes that Masami's metal sawing and plonk come in like a nightmare circus. Like it's, it's very happy and dreamy and soothing. And then it starts to get off put by these sort of uncomfortable sounds. And these are very much in my, my mind, sort of eco bondage era sounds, storage era sounds, right? Definitely. Yes. That hovering synth with that calm movement. And then in the distance, the rattling and scraping or whatever, is being processed starts to come in. I know exactly what you mean. Absolutely in that eco bondage. Yeah. Where that I'm saying it's like a darkness that's bubbling up under everything, you know, it is again, that dream light state where things are pristine, but you feel this just like under underlying anxiety. And again, the plunking strings like that happen, like you hear these like strange distant cries, but then those, the plucking of strings or the dripping of water that's super processed with ton dripping and reverb till it's just wet. Yeah. The, the reverb is definitely present on this recording. I mean, I mentioned the last one and, and we hear it in different forms and human himself said he processed this stuff until it was sort of unrecognizable because what he got wasn't quite usable for his purposes or the way he works. I think that's, that's an interesting thing to think about. And Again, like I said, I found it very sort of nightmarish and and not cartoonish, not I said circus, but it's not the same thing. But, you know, it just everything seemed to go afoul. And I saw these sort of 
bright colors against these drab, dark earthen colors at night. That was the feeling I got when the, that sort of metal stuff came in. But around six and a half minutes, you know, two thirds of the way through the piece, it gets pretty again. It it's, shimmers away. Yeah. And and we're back out. And so this one was one of the most dreamlike feeling pieces to me. One of the the sort of most like an actual dream where you go through blissful stuff and miserable stuff and maybe come back out on the end and some sort of thing. But then I have to assume it's Akita Source again. This sort of rattling metal shows up towards the end of the piece again. So I like the way that there's a sort of give and take in these pieces. The There's an atmosphere set with the material of one of them or the reprocessed material. And then something else comes in and there's just this sort of ebb and flow that happens throughout this thing in almost every track, even the shortest track, which we're, we're a couple pieces away from here sleeper though that that one is a minute and a half long and still managed to have this same sort of arc in it so it's obviously the way that Heman was working when he was assembling this material and in the same interview where he was discussing you know masami sending that source to other people uh, I, I just found it really interesting uh his take on japanese noise when he was asked about japanese noise um, and so this is an interview from 95. Uh, and Christoph said, my impression is that Japanese noise scene falls into several groups and individuals who are doing their work for very different reasons. Japanese noise artists are driven by a wide range of different motives and inspirations from social comment, parody and conceptual art and all in between. Whether it has anything to do with music or not depends on your perception of that term. Perhaps the interest in Japanese noise music is based on the consequence with which these people pursue their interest and obsession. This consequence seems characterized by a two-dimensional quality that appears incomprehensive to the Western mind. And I love the way that he's, Christoph is looking at Japanese noise in terms of motivation and looking at the art behind it and playing with our perception of you know, how we are involved with noise. And I just thought that that was a very thoughtful take on something that can just be seen as chaos. Absolutely. Coming into Eagle, maybe the strangest title on this release for me. Tunneling makes sense. Mandala makes sense. The other two tracks are Sleeper and Doorstep. You know, talking about the edge of the abyss, doorstep is that could also be seen as that same sort of thing, threshold, right? But Eagle, it's sort of the wild card of the titles. This sort of ceremonial gong with squeaking and string scraping or bowing. And again, we get this this push pull, and I hear like a a Rhodes or a Wurlitzer, the tremolo on in the background and then also some playing of notes that's happening here but it's all very subdued i really enjoy this piece and this is just just under five minutes too so we're, we're shortening the length of time each of these tracks goes on there's that strangled squeaking that starts and then opens into this empty corridor and there's points where it feels like the comet 
shooting across the sky with this doom approaching. It's a, it's a really foreboding track. So I was thinking of a swooping eagle and the squeaking of like hungry eaglets. But I really appreciate this title and that, you know, each of these, each of the tracks is, you know, fairly archetypal. And, and the concept of the soaring eagle, the soaring consciousness um, would also, you know, kind of be linked to archetypes and also, you know, the sleeper and dreams. So you have an abyss where you would need to fly and then sleeping where you would have that sort of dream and relating to your consciousness. So I like the way all of these kind of play together. And I really was thinking about last night when I woke up in the middle of the night um, from a from a disorienting dream and I didn't know where I was and I didn't know if what I had just dreamed was real, you know, like when you're, when you wake up and you just don't know what's happening. And I had that sensation because there are so many disorienting layers at this point in, in the album. Yeah. This heavy on the electronic synthesis here to me and really, really enjoyed this track. I really liked your dream last night that you had Mike. It's yeah, I had hilarious. a total nightmare wake up. Great, you know tour stress tour dreams. Tour stress dreams. So I had <laughs> oh, a dream. Yeah. I had a dream that that Yellow Gas Flames was playing a festival in Sweden for some reason. Yeah. And we were playing the second night and we were there and then for some reason before we played on the second night we flew home. And then in the dream I, I was like, "Wait, we were in our living room and it was, yeah. it was one of those where like, it is our living room. Yeah. It's not, it was like very real. Yeah. And it was, and I was like, wait, why did we fly home? We're playing tonight. And then we were, and then Tara's like, how did we fly home? How did we have a ticket? And then she's like, well, how, and then I was like, well, how do we have a ticket to go back? How can we get back? <laughs> and then I immediately woke up and immediately that thought of like, wait a minute, did that happen? Like, did we, yeah, am I flying to did Sweden? we fly home before we played a set that we're supposed to play? And we didn't, but it was one of those absolute panic wake up moments. Yeah, I love <laughs> tour dreams are just bonkers. Yes. Well, look, this is the second time we've talked about dreams in relation to Christoph Heeman, because during Seven Age Sunday, you and I talked yep. about lucid dreaming and reverse Absolutely. remembering and all of these things. So it's it's funny that. Oh, I, the, I wasn't there for that one. You That's weren't. Right. I love lucid dreaming. It's so fun. I discussed how you are able to. Uh, I heard that Tara is a dream warrior. Yes. I, well, definitely. some of the, <laughs> some of the times, not every time, but but if I am having a, an annoying or stressful dream, I can generally say, "Why are you dreaming this?" Like you can just change this and change the situation. Um, and so then sometimes I, I will just say, "Okay, what do you feel like doing?" And then I get to go do that. And usually it's just really off the rails and. Um, you know, semi-perverse at times. Uh, and it's great. Semi? Uh, <laughs> fully perverse at times. <laughs> yeah, I know Tara uh, well and, enough to know that it is entirely I to, perverse. I, I told her to bring me in the, the dream, like uh, Freddy style. So like, yeah. bring me on in. It's tag, so tag fun. Him in. <laughs> tag me in. Just anything you can think of, it's it, on It's on the table. Uh, and you just have to like try and I'm like, oh God, try not to wake up. Try not to wake up. Don't wake up. Well, it's are really you, fun. Are you saying you'd rather be a sleeper? <laughs> Because that's where we're coming up on this strange less than a minute and a half track. Yeah, 
the shortest piece, I mean, if there was something shorter, I would, I would be shocked because really minute 24 seconds. What is that? And again, this has that similar arc it starts with some nice wavering tones from, I assume Heman. of course, this is all guessing conjecture, whatever. This is just listening and trying to pick apart the pieces. And especially after realizing how much processing must've gone on for it. And then there's this crackling muted gristle that phases itself in and continues till the end of the piece. And it doesn't take very long, but this is a nice little piece. I, I would be hard pressed to guess a release that I have made that has a track. That's a minute and 24 seconds on it. I don't I know like that a, that's ever happened. I like, I like a cool, good, weird yeah. short track. I rarely do it. We rarely do it, but it is cool. And, and I would have to think that gristly sound is Mersbau. At least in my mind, that was, I was Merzbaum. thinking of it as like a seismographic crumble. And I'm calling it the Mersmograph. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, I've been collaborating with someone lately, and one of their sort of uh, instructions to me when I'm working on things or when we're, we're collaborating together is do that for two minutes. Doesn't have to be four, six, eight, 20, whatever. Just do this mm-hmm. sound for two minutes. And it's been a very interesting way to approach working. It's actually breaking me out of a lot of my habits in a really cool way. But uh, I don't know that I could make a sound for 45 seconds and then <laughs> switch to this crackle. I, it's it's unusual. And that's one of the things I like in listening to other people's work is some people that seems totally natural or that's a way they can definitely work. And for me, it's not. And so hearing a minute and a half long track is jarring in a way to me not only because it's so short but because it goes against my sensibilities as someone that also creates sound well you don't have to worry too much because we're going to end things with a real nice seven minute track Mm -hmm. doorstep and we're going to enter those empty corridors beyond the doorstep yeah you're sawing with a saw but you're sawing small glass bells yeah that metallic sort of sliding and the reverb is omnipresent here like this track is is drenched and again following sort of the format of this release we have those metallic sounds maybe processed akita not sure and then what I think of is sort of the human drone joining us. Definitely. And it was during this drone part that I really was laughing to myself. The idea of Masami saying, this is your music, not mine. It's like, yeah, I get <laughs> yeah, that yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, where is it? Where is where is the MERS? But, it, you know, it is there. And I do think that's what that metal and those sounds. But it's it is just so processed. And, you know, again, it brings up just the idea of collaborations and what makes for collaboration what are the rules of collaborations you know i think you know mersbaugh did a lot of collaborations a, a recent one of course was the one he did with Perian, and that one very much uh. you hear the two artists mm-hmm. and you're like yes this is absolutely yes. this is Perian, this is mersbaugh and this is them together and, and they it's bleed so, so well together yeah and it's so exciting whereas this is christoph heeman taking Mersbau and putting him into Christoph Heeman world. And again, that's just another way of collaborating. And it's just that 
what are the parameters of noise collaboration and how to approach collaborations? There's just an infinite amount of ways. And it's also so nice sometimes, like when you're having trouble starting a project, like, you know, getting that source material and then working with it takes you into such a different way. And maybe it's taken on a completely different shape, but having, you know, a different rule or a different starting point than you would normally have just changes your entire perception of the sounds that you can create and the sounds that you want to make. And, and sometimes it's just such a nice thing to do to make you grow as an artist. And, Definitely. and clearly, you know, Christoph Heeman took four years to take his time and really make this something that he was pleased with. And, and it really, really is just so well put together and, and so meditative and it's not anything like I would associate with Merzbaugh, but that's okay because the finished product is so beautiful. I agree. And I also think it's very telling that this is on streamline. This is on mm-hmm. Heeman's label, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't seek out someone else to put it out. He didn't try to, you know, he and Nikita didn't try to find somewhere to put it out. 93, I mean, already we, you know, it could have been an easy home for this somewhere else, but he put it out himself because it is, it is his music and it feels like his music regardless of the source. And I really enjoy that in collaboration too, is taking things other people have made and then processing them my way with my ears, my technique, my equipment, the way I do my own stuff or saying this sounds strange. I wonder what would happen if I did this to it. And you're someone taking material from someone who'd been active for a very long time. I mean, both of these, both of these people were, were well active in the underground and experimental music. He meant since about 84, I guess with HNAS and obviously Akita for a little longer, but just the, that they came together and this record is the result is something yeah. really, mm-hmm. really powerful. And really beautiful i mean it's such a listenable record and like like we discussed earlier 93 yeah. versus 87 yeah <laughs> no, and actually yeah. i realized anti-monument was actually 86 but still around this time you know we look at this era of mertz material and what it's transformed into i think it's very very interesting and very telling of who was at the helm for that Absolutely. And you know, uh, a really important project of Christoph Heemans that we haven't mentioned yet, but is a one that we all love very much. He went under a pseudonym in that project, but he was in the original incarnation of Ultra. And I'm um, certainly will be doing an episode on Ultra at some point. And that's something totally different beast from this, a totally yeah. different beast from <laughs> from his solo work and the seven inch we talked about in seven inch Sunday. So something certainly that we will discuss at some point. Uh, Ultra is a different beast than everything. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, no, yeah. and actually Ultra's first record, 1987. There you go. It's a good mm-hmm. year. It's a mm-hmm. good, good year. Youthful pleasures. I love it. I love and anyone it. who doesn't, hasn't whatever picked up the delirious elaborations box set from Dom America. Do it in anticipation of us talking yes. about Ultra even. Absolutely. We will certainly discuss Ultra. But in the meantime, pull this album out. 
Like we said, it's on Christoph Heeman's Bandcamp. We'll certainly link to it. It's certainly one that is around. So if you see it at a store, grab it. It's a really interesting release. It's a really rewarding release and a really interesting one in the Merzbau canon. It's great headphone listening. Yeah. It's great while you're reading listening. You don't um, say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we should talk about reading to this because it is a really good reading album and we'll go over and head on the Patreon and discuss some recent listening and recent reading. Thank you so much for listening. You know, we got our end of the year episode coming up. So stay tuned for that. We're going to be talking about our favorite things from 2022 and maybe we'll look ahead to 2023. See if there's anything that we know of that we're looking forward to. I don't even know. Maybe there is. We'll have to see. But thank you so much. And now we're going to head over to the Patreon and talk about some more listening and reading. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices. And by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra. And your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noiseextra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.